friends. Welcome to another episode of Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. The Bible Nerd Podcast is a listener-supported ministry, and we are currently in our summer chat series. We are taking a different topic each week all summer to help build a biblical worldview. And today we are asking the question, is complaining a sin? Well, this morning we are going to go through a large amount of text. So bear with me because I do believe it is important. And really the, the word of God is what transforms us and has power. So I can just talk all day long, but lives won't be changed. But through the power of the Word of God, that is where transformation takes place. If you are someone who likes to take notes, I would suggest maybe pausing this, writing down scriptures, and then going back and really looking uh, through your notes and studying this for yourself because it is in that study time that true transformation will take place. So we're going to start off in Philippians 2.14. It's a little short verse, but it has so much power to it. And in verse 14, it says, do all. All things without complaining are disputing. And that's the New King James Version. Do all things without complaining and disputing. So we're going to focus on the complaining part this episode. But all things, what does that mean? That means in our marriage, in our child raising, we are not to complain to our spouse and children, and we're not to complain about them. That is in the team sports that our kids play. That is at work with our bosses, our coworkers, our employees. That is about our government. That is whenever you are going out for a meal and spending a lot of money and you're not satisfied with the the, the services. Um, it is uh, the long lines in Target because they won't open any of their registers even though there's a million people in the store. Um, it's about the Texas heat or the price of gas. Or for me, the one I struggle with the most is when life doesn't go according to plan. We are not allowed to just sit and complain about what is happening. What complaining really is, it boils down to two things. It's a lack of gratitude and it's a lack of faith in God. So we're going to start our journey this morning by looking at 1 Corinthians 10. And I am going to read a large portion of this text. So starting in verse one, it says, now I want you to know brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what he is doing is he's bringing us back to the Exodus with Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. For God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Okay, so we're talking this morning about why God was not pleased with his children and why he struck them down. Verse 6. Now these things became examples for us so that we will not desire evil things as they did. So this is important. Why we remember is because now their lives were an example to us so that we do not repeat this. In verse 7. Don't become idolaters as some of them were. And then he goes on in verse eight, let us not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And then he goes on in verse nine, let us not test Christ as some of them did. In verse 10, nor should we complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as examples and they were written to us as a warning on them to the ends of the age have come. I'm sorry, 
um, yes, on whom the ends of the age have come. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. No temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Many of us are familiar with the end of this verse, but it's what comes before that that is equally important. So he basically lists four things that the Israelites were guilty of and says, let us not repeat. The first one was idolaters, and we know that. We are not supposed to make anything an idol above God. Two, that's another easy one, committing sexual immorality. We know this. Even if we're doing it, we know it's wrong. Three, we are not to test God. And a good definition of this is to insist that he proves that he is worthy. He is worthy, and we testing him is when we want him over and over again to prove to us that he is. And then number four, packaged in with these three others is he says nor should we complain and it was really the complaining that led them down a path I believe to commit all of these other sins so we're going to take a look at the exodus journey after they cross the red sea we're going to start off in exodus 15 this chapter starts off with a song of praise for all the miracles God had done as they crossed the Red Sea. They were remembering and celebrating because they were in the middle of the miracle. After they crossed the Red Sea, they went three days without water. So there was the most amazing miracle of all times that they experienced and literally with their own eyes and bodies and all their senses got to be a part of. And three days later, they had gone without water. We talked about this in the last episode. They came to Marah, but the water was bitter. And in verse 24, the people grumbled to Moses. Then God showed Moses a tree that he was to throw into the water, and then the water was healed. He also, after that, led them to a camp at Elam, and there were 12 springs and 70 date palms. So we see that they grumbled very shortly after they saw the biggest miracle of mankind, and But we see the grace of God that he still provided the water. Okay, we're going to jump to Exodus 16. From there, they traveled into the wilderness of sin on the 15th day of the second month of their journey. So they have only been traveling for a month and a half. They grumbled again. The Israelites in verse 3, it says, The Israelites said to him, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us out into the wilderness and made this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am Yahweh your God. So the Lord gave them daily manna and quail. Wouldn't it have been better for them to say, God... We call you Jehovah Jireh. That means our Lord provides because you have provided salvation through the Red Sea and you provided water, clean water at Mara and Elam. So we know that you will also provide our food. We are so hungry and we are thanking you in advance for our food. But I want to point out that even though they were brats, he still provided for them time and time again in a beautiful way. But because of their four sins, including complaining, they ended up eating manna for 40 years. This was meant to sustain them for 
a very short journey. I have, it's been a while since I've looked, but um, scholars have all agreed that on foot, this journey should have taken something under two weeks. It's not a long journey at all. And the manna was going to be just for that little short period of time to get them to a promised land that was flowing with milk and honey. That is ancient code for this land was so fertile that animals just produced tons of milk and there were trees and fruits and delicacies of all kinds that you were going to enjoy your food. And they complained in a very short time, and so they got stuck in the wilderness. Their complaining hijacked their promise. I don't know if this is stepping on your toes, but it's definitely stepping on mine. Instead of walking in the fullness of all that God had for them, they were trapped. And even though God shows up each day with provision, um, while the, they continue to cling to the lie that he isn't enough, I just am in awe that God was still expressing his amazing grace even in their sin. And I'm also just blown away that this complaining about what was supposed to be a very short journey and the food that they had to eat in this very short journey so that they could travel to a land that there was going to be amazing food kept them having to eat the, the quail and the manna for 40 years. So we're moving on to Exodus 17. They left out of the wilderness of sin and ended up in Rephidim. There was once again no water. So the Israelites lifted up a great shout of praise because by now they remembered that their God provided. False. That is not what happened. They once again complained. And you know why? Because now it's a habit. It's natural for them. And Moses even rebukes them by saying, why do you complain and test God? Once again, in God's mercy, he has Moses strike a rock with his staff and water came pouring out. I go through all of this to point out two things. God continues to display his patience over and over and over and over again. And number two, to show that the Israelites failed to remember all the things that God had done for them. Remembering is the key to a flourishing life. God mentions over and over again in the text when you go back and read, he wants them to remember. Now, I don't know if I, I think I'm going off script right now, but in the Jewish culture, they would put up these huge standing stones when God did something miraculous for them. And it was a way, ancient cultures did this. It was a way for when other people are passing to say what happened here. And then you share the story of how God provided. It was a visual representation of a great move of God. Then in the feast and the practice of Sabbath, they would orchestrate remembering the past. I mean, that is how this faith sustained through generations and even through exile was because when they practiced the feast and celebrated them and even the weekly Sabbath, there were elements of things that they were partaking in that would give an illustration of the move of God from the past. And that's how these stories of old got passed down to their children and their children's children and so on. They were a culture that had learned eventually to remember. Now we are going to go to Numbers 11, and this can get a little harsh. So in Numbers 11, it says, Now the people begin complaining openly before the Lord about their hardship. 
When the Lord heard, his anger burned, and fire from the Lord blazed among them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Taberah, because the Lord's fire had blazed among them. This fire actually took out some lives of the Israelites. We're moving on to verse 4 in this chapter. Contemptible people among them had had strong cravings for other foods. The Israelites cried and said, who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics. But now our appetite is gone. There is nothing to look at but this manna. So what we see here is that they finally choose to remember, but this time they're remembering the past through rose-colored glasses. They cry out to God, they cried out to God to save them for 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And yes, the food was good, but life was horrible. And these they were abused slaves who at the time Given a choice between freedom and good food, they would have chosen freedom every single time. But now they decide to remember. And instead of remembering the truth um, and the reality of their enslavement, they remember cucumbers and leeks. And remember, the man and the quail was never meant to be a forever food. It was meant to sustain them for a very short journey to get them to a land flowing with milk and honey and freedom. We have to stop here and realize and face a difficult truth. We do the exact same things. We cry out for God to move, and then he does. But on the journey to the promise, we remember a false reality of the past. And then suddenly we want to return to what was familiar, even though it was imprisoning us. We don't like the unknown. We don't like having to stretch our faith to trust. We want to know and control situations. We long for the times of old, and many of us return to the very thing that enslaved us just because it was familiar. Here we see with all the years of complaining what it was doing to God's heart. He gave them chance after chance after chance after chance to learn that he always provides. But they will never get to the promised land because they are not learning. He must discipline them. He must discipline plan. <laughs> I'm trying to talk too fast. Um, with the purpose to, to foster moral integrity so that they can finally line up, obey, and ex- discover God's best for them. Well, who did God consume? He consumed those on the outskirts of the camp. It was the ones who were not doing life close to the tabernacle where God's very presence was. Today, we don't see God casting down fire from heaven and taking us out, but we have all probably felt the fire of the Lord come down and consume the sin in us to purify us. Fire often represents cleansing and purification. And just like a jeweler uses fire to burn out the impurities of their precious gold and silver, fire from God can burn out our impurities so that what is left is pure and holy before him. It's never fun, but it's necessary. But the fire didn't stop them. They began complaining again. And I have to read Moses' response because it really is just kind of comical to me. In verse 10, we're still in Numbers 11. Moses heard the people, family after family, crying out at the entrance of their tents. The Lord was very angry and Moses was provoked. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you so angry with me? And why do you burden me with all of these people? Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth so that 
You should tell me, carry them around on your breast as a nursing woman carries a baby to the land that you swore you would give our fathers. Where can I get meat to give these people? For they are crying to me, give us meat. I can't carry all of these people by myself for they are too much for me. And if you are going to treat me like this, please kill me right now. If you are pleased with me, don't let me see, don't let me see my misery anymore. I mean, Moses has had it. He is infuriated with these people, and we know that God is frustrated too. And the Lord ends up sending so much quail that they are literally drowning in it. it. They are repulsed. They are sick to their stomachs because they are having to consume so much meat. They had quail everywhere, and it, they ended up receiving a plague, plague to go along with this. Well, this is our last section of scripture. Because the Israelites, while these Israelites didn't remember, their children end up making it to the promised land and they start remembering and setting up these feasts and really practicing the goodness of God and remembering the past. So long that this had happened that we fast forward to Psalm 78. This is during David's reign. And these are a, 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 a book of a lot of songs that David wrote and other people in this song. The psalm actually wasn't written by David, but a man named Asaph. But he is remembering Israel's past. And this is what he said. And it's long, but I do believe it's so important. My people hear my instructions and listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings and I will speak of mysteries from the past. So he's remembering. We must not hide them from our children, but must tell a future generation. We talked about this a few weeks ago with passing our faith on to our kids. The praises of the Lord, his might, and the wonderful works he has performed. He commanded our fathers to teach to their children so that the future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to raise and tell their children. So this is something that we are to remember generation after generation. Verse 7, so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep his commands. For they would not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Verse 13, he split the sea and brought them across and water stood firm like a wall. Verse 14, he led them by a cloud by day and a fiery light throughout the night. 15, he split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as abundant as the depths. Verse 16, he brought streams out of stone and he made water flow down like river. 17, but they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They deliberately tested God, demanding the food that they craved. They spoke against God, saying, is God able to provide food in the wilderness? Look, he struck a rock and water gushed out, torrents overflowed. But he can, can, but can he also provide bread or furnish meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard and became furious. Then fire broke out against Jacob and fire flared up against Israel because they did not believe God or rely on his salvation. They gave a command, or I'm sorry, verse 23, he gave a command to the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained manna for them to eat and gave them grain from heaven, people ate the bread of angels, and he sent them an abundant supply of food. He rained meat on them like the dust and winged birds like the sand of the seas. They ate and were completely satisfied, for he gave them what they craved. Verse 30, we're almost there. Before they had 
before they had satisfied their desire and while food was still in their mouths, God anger flared up against them and he killed some of them, some of their best men, and he struck down Israel's choice young men. Despite all this, they kept sinning. They did not believe, here it is, they did not believe his wonderful works. He made their days in infutility, their years in sudden disaster. When he killed some of them, the rest soon began to seek him, and they repented and searched for God. This sounds like good news, doesn't it? But let's keep reading. They remembered that God was their rock, their most high, their redeemer, but they delivered him with their mouths, and they lied to him with their tongues. Their hearts were insincere towards him, and they were unfaithful to his covenant. Yet he was... Yet he was compassionate. He atoned for their guilt. He did not destroy them. He often turned his anger aside and did not unleash his wrath on them. He remembered that they were only flesh, a wind that would pass and does not return. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They consistently tested God and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember. What I got from this was that constant complaining leads to a hardened heart. You would, you, we, I will say we, we will remember what God has done, but it will mean nothing to us. We will go through the motions, but God will see what's on the inside of our heart. And we do not want to be these people. We want to love God, trust God, remember what he had done, build our faith, and moving forward, know that he is God provider and trust that that's who he is. So how can we get there? How can we shift? And I want to say this to everyone. You might not think that you complain, but I think that we all have a weak spot. Maybe we are super positive in one area, but really kind of secretly weak in another area. And so I want to just challenge everyone today, me included, how can we move forward through this? Well, the first thing that we're going to do, and this is going to be four R's, and I am not normally somebody who cares about that, but I'm going to make my husband so happy that the th the steps moving forward, our next steps are going to be four R's. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that we have to do is repent, and we're going to do this right here, right now together. So bear with me, and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we are just in awe of your goodness. And we are so thankful that you are Jehovah Jireh. We thank you for your provision, Lord God. And we thank that you, that you have given us your word so that we can see how you've provided in the past. And we thank you for all the times in our personal lives that you have provided. And forgive us this day for the complaining that we have done. That is a heart that has a lack of gratitude and a lack of faith and trust in you. And we just confess that and we repent in your sight today. But Lord God, we are human and just like you had compassion on the children of Israel, we pray that you have compassion on us, move in us and help us as we take the steps to move forward to change. We pray that your Holy Spirit works in us, Lord God, and teach us how to move away from this. Convict us deeply when we fall back into the habit of complaining. We give this to you in Jesus name. Okay, so we repented, and that might be something we do every day until this habit is broken. The second thing we do is we recognize God's provision. So many times God moves and answers prayers, but we're not even looking. We don't have eyes to see that it was Him. Train yourself to be on the lookout for God's provision. We have to recognize God's provision. And then number three, once we recognize it and know what it is for what it is, we have to remember 
We have to remember this is the key. We can remember in different ways. I told you that in the ancient world, they would use standing stones and the festivals. Different things that they did for each festival would help them remember the past. Well, that is not a normal thing in our culture. And while we, I certainly encourage you, if you want to put a standing stone somewhere, if you want to start um, practicing these, these feasts to help you pass your faith down to your kids, go for it. That would be wonderful. But we can also incorporate other things into our lives. I know that some people have gotten tattoos. I myself have a gratitude journal that every single day I write out three things that I'm thankful for. And then there's other places to journal where God has answered prayers and put praise reports in. And then I was just going through the book because of course I've gotten out of the habit I, like I always do. It had been probably eight months since I picked it up. But of course, do, preparing for this made me go find it, get it out, start using it again. But I, it was fun to go back and just look at all the things that God had done. And we need to incorporate these in our events that we, traditions that we do with our family. Maybe for somebody's birthday, we can just also remember all the things that God's done in their life or for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the things that we celebrate. Maybe we spit, we spend time just going around a circle and saying, hey, what has God done to provide for you in, um, in our lives? But let's come up with something tangible that helps us remember all that God has done and to celebrate that. And the last thing is to replace. We're going to replace complaining with thanksgiving. Now you might be saying, I thought that that's just what the other the other steps were. What I mean by this is start thanking God for the changes that you want to see. For example, praise him for who he is. Um, maybe he's a God who heals or provides or saves. And then lift up your need to him and thank you. Like, like I said earlier that the Israelites should have done, Lord, we saw you part the Red Sea. Provided, check, we saw you um, provide water in several places. And each time it was more water than before. So you provided, check. We are hungry and we haven't eaten in days. And we know through your, the pattern of just who you are that you are going to provide for that. So we're just going to celebrate. We are going to thank you. We are going to sing and we are going to dance because we know it's going to be good and we know it's coming. So we're going to replace our complaining with thanksgiving. God it's hard at work. Things are difficult, but I thank you for equipping me to make it through the day. There's things in my life that probably you are trying to teach me and mold and shape me and burn out some things. So I say, have your way, burn it out. But Lord, also help me be a light into this place and give me endurance. And I thank you for this season of my life. But of course, I'm ready to get to that promised land. So if there's another job or there's going to be some changes made in this job, I just thank you for it. And I say, let it come. God is providing. We just need to embrace the season. God, thank you for this manna and this quail because it's only going to last for two weeks because this journey is short. We thank you for that. And we are headed to a place where there's going to be milk and honey. So do you see how we can change the way you, we can still ask for, for things, you know, like, God, this is a need. I need you to come and radically change this, but we're going to be thanking him and we're going to be celebrating that that is coming because that's just who God is. He is a provider. So 
While this maybe wasn't the most fun, feel-good message, it is a powerful thing to get a hold of. These little changes over time will really change the trajectory of our lives. When we stop quenching the Holy Spirit, we will allow Him to move in all of His power and might. And so, Thanks for tuning in today. I'm excited for those of us that are really going to put this to heart to see what happens. Again, I will just mention that this is a listener-supported ministry, and I've had a few people recently ask how they can give, and we have a website, www.becomingabiblenerd.com, and there's some a little pull-down bar up in the top right corner, and there is a button that you can click to give. I thank you, and I'm always just honored and humbled and blessed every time time that I see a new person sign up um, to give. And for those of you that are given monthly, I do thank you from the bottom of my heart because this is opening doors for this ministry to grow and to reach other people. And the bottom line and the heartbeat of everything is to get people comfortably in the word with the tools that they need. This was always meant for somebody to show you how to get in God's word and how to do this. And the word was meant to be read in community, but somehow in our culture, we just hand people a Bible and say, good luck. So the whole point is to help give people the confidence and the tools they need to enjoy their time in God's word and allow his word to transform them. Because I know with a transformed heart, people can't help. When you abide with Jesus, you go out everywhere and share his goodness, your testimony, and his love, and people come to know Jesus because of that. So this is what the heartbeat of this ministry is about. Again, thank you. Share this with your friends. Invite people to be on board. I will be revealing our new study very soon. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. Happy reading.